His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. And your love this was, it was kind of cool that the Lord opened that up so that I could get up before and get a couple of short ones out, you know, before I did this one. Okay. Father passing by his son's bedroom was astonished to see the bed nicely made. Everything was picked up. Then he saw an envelope propped up prominently on the pillow. It was addressed to Dad. With a gut-wrenching feeling, he opened the envelope and read the letter with trembling hands. Dear Dad, it's with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and Mom. I've been finding real passion with Stacy, and she's so nice, but I knew you would not approve of her because of her piercings, her tattoos, her tight motorcycle clothes, and because she's so much older than I am. But it's not only the passion, Dad, she's pregnant. Stacy said that we'll be very happy. She owns a trailer in the woods and has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. <laughs> we share a dream of having many more children. Don't worry, Dad, I'm 15 and I know how to take care of myself. Someday I'm sure we'll be back to visit so you can get to know your many grandchildren. Love, your son, Joshua. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Jason's house. I just wanted to remind you there are worse things in life than the report card that's on the kitchen table. (laughs) Call when it's safe to come home. (laughs) I saw that and I go, there's an anointing on that one. (laughs) Man, you don't know how many times I wish I'd have thought of that when I was in high school. Well, Father, we just pray for an anointing on your word today. Thank you so much for the encouragement that you've given us, God, just in the worship. You're always so, God, you are so faithful to always be with us. And to, Lord, even when uh, Teresa and I were talking the other day, and even when we don't hear you speak, we can sense your presence next to us. Thank you so much, because it's all about being with you. Amen. I, uh, I've been reading lately about uh, Paul, you know, I've uh, been reading in Acts and stuff and just kind of looking at his life and everything. And so I kind of want to talk about that today. I thought, um, you know, Paul, in Acts chapter 8 is when it starts in, you know, at the end of 7 is when Stephen's stoned and Paul, uh, Saul is the one, you know, gardener coach, you know, they're being... Th- laid at his feet and everything and then eight starts off with persecution in the church big time you know Saul had he had accomplished everything in his world you could accomplish he was at the top of uh, the pillar you know like in today's world it would be like he'd gone to uh, college gotten a degree then he'd gone to theological seminary and he'd gotten uh, uh PhDs he's gotten you know in ministry and just doctorates and all of that type of stuff he was he really was a uh, he was at the top of everything had everything you know that's why later on he could write and he said uh, he was talking to the Corinthians and he goes I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews I was top I had accomplished every single thing 
I was a, you know, Pharisee. I was strict in our religion, you know. And so, and he, and he, and he was trained by one of the top uh, teachers, you know, at that time. And, and yet, he came to the point when he met Jesus of saying, that's all garbage to me. That's all garbage. I've laid that all aside, you know. You know, I don't even like, you know, boasting about this, but, you need, and I thought, and then you look at Paul's life, and I I loved in um, reading in the Passion Translation. I'm going to open up to Acts just a minute when Paul gets converted because it's it's worded a little different. You know, in the New King James uh, Bible, and it talks about Paul. Why are you know when Jesus appeared to him when he gets knocked off the in the donkey, you know, at Damascus, and he says. Why, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he goes, who are you, Lord? And he says, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. That never really spoke deep to my heart. <laughs> I thought, it's hard to kick against the goads. I just, I, I can relate to that. It's like goad. I goad somewhere one time, but I didn't. <laughs> You know, it's just like, ah, goad. It's actually a prod, you know. <laughs> but I like the way that Brian uh, had it in the <laughs> acts. It made a little more sense to me. I, I like getting away from goads. Okay. So he says, Saul, Saul, why, you know, the light flashes around Saul as he's going to persecute everybody. You know, Saul was really, he really was just so fervent for, he really thought he was serving God and doing God a favor by persecuting all the Christians. I mean, he wasn't like just mean hearted. He thought they are going, they're destroying God. I got to get out and protect what God has given us. They're totally against it, and so we're going to throw them in prison. We're going to destroy this way. And so he gets knocked off, and, and of course, uh, the, falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And uh, he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus the victorious. I love that. The one you are persecuting. And he says, now get up and go into the city where you'll be told what you're to do. But what he told him was, he said, it is, why do you keep kicking against your calling? Oh, that made more sense to me than the goads. I th and I thought, God, and, you know, and Jesus said, <laughs> well, okay, let me see a show of hands. Did goad really felt anointed to any of you guys when you read it? It's like, Wow. I've never seen that. Yeah, word just transformed my life, you know, just goad. Okay. Anyway, he said, why are you keep uh, kicking, you know, struggling against your, resisting your calling? And I thought, man, God had, do you realize how much God had planned for him? We get the advantage of seeing everything that's, that Saul turned to Paul, lived and walked and accomplished. I mean, writing two-thirds of the New Testament, you know, is like, 
God had all this planned. Saul had no clue what his real calling in life was. He thought that it was going after all the degrees, going after everything in the Jewish religion. I've hit the top. I'm top Pharisee. It's probably was going to head into the priesthood. And God's going, it isn't even close to what I've called you to do. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I can relate. I don't relate to the going after the degrees and in the top of the class. That, but I can relate to thinking before I knew Jesus having my life planned out of knowing what I wanted to do and where I was going to go. And it wasn't anything close to what God had for me. And I suspect a lot of us are like that. To where before we know Jesus, we're kind of, this is what we're called to do. It's not even called, it's just, I don't, I think sometimes we just find what is at our, in front of us and do that. And God's going, and until he gets a hold of us, it's like, our, your eyes get opened, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, ah, you had something else. I'm, I'm amazed at the stuff that Saul had as a calling in his life and a purpose that God was going to do through him, <clears throat> and he had no clue, no warning about it. And so it's hard for you to kick against your calling. Anyway, I, I love that about that God just totally, it was like totally opened his eyes and woke him up. And so he goes and, you know, and, and he visits, God visits Ananias to go pray for him, bring healing. <clears throat> and this is, this is kind of, I don't know that I want this kind of revelation given to someone coming to pray for me that uh, they've been told that, yeah, and, and I'm going to show him all he must suffer for me. Could you leave that part of the prophecy out? Just kind of, just, just heal me. <laughs> Give me eyesight. <clears throat> Let me follow day by day. And you know what? Uh, but the thing is, Saul, Paul, later on, saw Jesus. Something became rock solid in him that no matter what he went through, he didn't waver. Thinking about with the Philippian jailer, when you know they he preaches the gospel, you know people are getting saved. They get thrown, they get beat. Him and Silas, <laughs> and welcome Silas to my ministry team. <laughs> First adventure out, you know they're beat, they're they're stripes all over their back, and they're thrown in the stocks. But here they are worshiping at midnight. What is it that was in him that could worship in that type of treatment? What kind of encounter did you have, Paul, with the Lord that would strengthen you in this type of treatment and you didn't hang it up and say, you know what, God, I'm done with this. I had it so good before I knew you. You know, I was probably heading for the priesthood. Everybody loved me. I was, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, Saul, he's just, he's just got it together so much. And here I am getting beat because I'm trying to just love people. Here I am just trying to share the goodness of who you are, that their sins can actually be forgiven and that they don't have to go through all the ritual of everything. And I'm beat, 
you know, and put in here. But something in him and Silas was singing at midnight, and it got God's attention. Man, I want, I want my life, when I hit hard times and when things aren't going right, I want my worship to get God's attention. And it's like, woo, somehow he intervened and it shook the earth. And opened up, and it didn't just open up the chains off of Paul's feet, didn't open the stocks just off of him and Silas, it did the whole everyone in the jail. Everybody got set free. I don't know, but if you're a hardened criminal and you're in there for murder and they're going to kill you the next day and somebody's worshiping in the next cell and all of a sudden an earthquake comes and you're set free, I'd be thinking about maybe giving my life to Jesus. <laughs> you know, the thing is, though, they didn't leave. Must have been some good singing. I think the presence of the Lord gathered them and held them. He set them free, but he held them there. And then the jailer runs in. So here's what I'm seeing is like out of that awful time of being beaten and locked up in prison through that worship, the jailer and his family get saved. And I bet there was a few others. And eventually the authorities come and then Paul, you know, he's just got boldness, you know, and the authorities have to come and apologize. He goes, Hey, they said, you can go. I ain't leaving. I thought, man, Paul, I'd have been going, see you guys later. I don't want another beating in two days if they think about it. And he says, I'm not leaving. I'm a Roman citizen. You guys uh, accused me without a fair trial. Didn't even give me a chance to defend. No, you come down and you beg me to leave. I'm not leaving this jail. Whoa. That had to be the Holy Spirit. Or that or it's like, have you lost your mind? The door's open. Let's go. You know, I didn't say anything. Silas was kind of silent. I don't know if he was shocked. Like, But, you know, uh, just to have that boldness there. And they actually came and bowed down before him and apologized and asked him to please leave our city. And so... There's something that happened in him, and I'm like, God, I want the kind of faith in me that when I hit hard times that I worship, and it gets heaven's attention, and it causes chains to break and set people free. And I don't know that there's a way to get that without going through times that you feel like you just got beat up for no reason. Or you go through struggles of things. Maybe depressions come on. It's like, God, I don't know why I feel so depressed lately. But it's like choosing to worship in the midst of those things really are times when gold is produced in our lives. You know, I remember that song, Trials Turn to Gold. Keith Green used to sing. You guys probably never heard of Keith Green because it's... Anyway, that's... Uh, we're not that old, but, but, uh, yeah, it was good music. It was, uh, there's no other way to get the gold in their lives. There's no other way to get it. I'd love to just get the fruit of trials without the trials. And if anybody finds that anointing out, let me know. Saul goes through all of this, and it's like, I, you know, the Philippian jailer thing. And then, you know, they go to, then they're preaching in Iconium and Lystra, Lystra and all that. 
and you know they think he's a god you know and then they find out he's just a man and so they stone him <laughs> it was like could we just accept him for who he is you know and god raises him back up you know i mean the stoning was so bad they drag him out of the city and it says and while the disciples were all standing around him he got up and walked back into the city i think that was an encounter i don't know if paul was dead god raised him from the dead or if he was just badly beaten and knocked out but it said the next day then he left and walked out and went to another city it's like there had to be some healing here you know, I would have been recouping for a month or something, you know, and he goes on and, and he continues on. The thing about Paul is he doesn't give up. It's like, what is this in him? I think I'm looking back at my own life. I'm not relating myself to Paul. Don't, I'm not even going there. <laughs> but what I'm thinking is being raised in the church all my life like I was, and at eight years old, I did give my life to Jesus. Well, no, I went up to, I, I went up front, because something was pulling me, and I knew if I let go of the chair, my body would fly. I felt drawn up there, and I had no idea what the guy was even talking about. But I was eight years old, and I knew I had to go up front, and I went, but I didn't know what I needed. Someone to tell me what I was doing. It was a brother in church, and I never understood their sermons anyway. But I didn't know at the time my dad was being called at the same time. He knew God was calling him to give his life to him. And he resisted it. But I, I asked permission. I, I told my mom, I said, I feel like I've got to go up front. Is it okay? And she goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> You've been a brat lately anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> go up front. So I did that, and everybody was glad for me. But anyway, what I'm saying is, and my mom was so faithful in reading Bible stories to us, she, she would call you in from playing a neighborhood baseball game with all the kids. Ronnie, time for your piano practice time. And I'm like, that's not what you want all the guys in the neighborhood here you called in for. We did not have worship music back then. Your hope was hymns. I liked hymns because that's all we had, yeah. but it wasn't something a boy playing baseball in a neighborhood with all the guys wanted to do. <laughs> and then, and and I and mom, she was faithful reading Bible stories. So she had a whole set, and she read through those things. And we constantly had devotions and all of that type of stuff. And she raised us in as much as she knew at that time. Every time Billy Graham was on, boom, we were on the TV. Sunday afternoons, a lot of times, Oral Roberts was on. We was watching him healing crusades, you know, and praying for miracle stuff. And I actually had a relative that was healed by Oral Roberts. And uh, so there was all of that type of stuff. But I, and I thought as long as you was going to church, he's Christian. It's all that was required of you, you know. And I knew the Bible was true, and I knew God. I, th I think I knew he was real because we just grew up in that. But when I had an encounter with him when I was 16, it changed everything. Saul had an encounter with Jesus, and it changed everything. And you have to have that encounter with the Lord that you know he's real. 
and that you know he's calling you. You have to have that. I don't think you can make it. I don't think Saul would have even come close. Paul wouldn't have come close to making it through those trials if he did not have that encounter and see Jesus and know, oh, my gosh, that he's real. He couldn't have worshipped during those times. And I think sometimes, so, I, you know, you have, you have, he just, so you get saved, and then there's those stages of growth that you go through. You know, like when our kids are babies, you, every time there's a little fuss, you check, oh, how you doing, sweetie? You know, and you put them in the high chair, and you feed them, and all that kind of stuff. And then there comes points where you just, you grow up into more stuff and more responsibility. And Paul had that type of stuff because when he first came to the Lord, he starts preaching right away in Damascus. They're going to stone, they're going to kill him right off the bat. And they have to let him down in a basket. You guys know that story. Anyway, he goes to Jerusalem and he starts causing problems there. And so they ship him off, you know, to go back to, uh, uh, I think it was Arabia or whatever, you know, for 14 years. He, go, he goes back. They sent him back to Tarsus, you know, for 14 years. And I think there was growth period going on during that time, you know, of getting, okay, let's get, let's get your walk with the Lord kind of solid in, in uh, knowing who Jesus really is and understanding the gospel and all that kind of stuff. And he had revelations and visitations during those times. The point was God had a call on his life, and he wanted him um, – trained by the Holy Spirit. He wanted him to know what his purpose was in life. Every one of us has to know, God, what is the purpose you've called me for in life? And before you come to the Lord, you have your own ideas, but then he changes all of that. And I would have never, I would have never chosen on my own the things that God has had for me. You know, I got saved at 16, and I'm now 64. My wife's 65, but I'm only 64. But that was not in the joke book. But I can look back over my life, and I can say like David did. I was, I've been young, and now I'm older. Not old, but older. And I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. In other words, I've seen God be faithful in every situation in my life. Through all kinds of seasons, through all kinds of situations, he's been faithful. So what's it take, once you have an encounter with the Lord, what's it take to really be solid in times when you have hard times? And Teresa and I were talking about that. It takes faith. It takes faith. You know, she had a dream where, uh, I'm not going to tell it, but it was just that God was working behind the scenes. And I thought about that, and I thought, you don't always know what's going on behind scenes. That's why it's behind the scenes. It's out of view. And I think that, uh, you know, we can have a tendency as humans to want to say, okay, God, I'll trust you as long as you lay out all the plans, all the details, and I can understand what you're doing at every stage, and then... I'll be okay with that. <laughs> God doesn't do that. He just goes, follow me. Boom. It's like, uh, where are we going? Follow me. Well, what's it all going to involve? Lay down, take up your cross, 
deny yourself and just follow me. Uh, can I have some details about, I mean, how are we going to just follow me? And it takes faith to do that. And that faith is anchored in God's character, anchored in his word, that he will be true what he says, that he's a good father, and that he's got good for me. And I'm thinking, uh, we were talking about this this morning, that even with Judas, Teresa said, you know, even with Judas, knowing that Judas was going to betray him, Jesus gave him three years with himself to have an opportunity to change and choose life. And he didn't. But he had, a, he had a chance to. He could have repented. He didn't have to. It wasn't until close to the Last Supper that said, and the devil entered Judas. It was his choice. <clears throat> and just like that, we all have choices. We've got choices all the time. And every time something comes up that's not like we would, quote, like it to be, we have a choice. Do we trust God's character? Do we still have faith in him? Are we going to worship in those disappointing times? Because you have disappointments. Oh, my gosh. But are we going to worship and say, God, I don't understand what's going on right now. I don't have to. That's a big one. I don't have to. God, why? God, why? I don't understand right now, but I just worship because I know you're good. I know you got good for me. So I want to turn and read to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. So a lot of people think, so Paul, I mean, I, I've just been amazed at watching what stabilized him in not departing his whole life. And a lot of people, a lot of early church fathers believe that, that Paul is the one that wrote Hebrews. But it could also have been Barnabas, might have been Priscilla, uh, might have been Apollos. Uh, you know, but early church fathers kind of attributed that a lot to Paul, right, into the Jewish believers. But I wanted to read out of Hebrews 10. Uh, and it's verse uh, 32. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. This, this uh, said it, I've always been used to, uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about that when we get that verse, 32. It's a, uh, Do you remember those days right after the light shined in your hearts? You endured a great marathon season of suffering hardships. I, I, don't, I don't really like the word marathon. I like short races. You know, marathon just seems like, oh, it goes on forever. Doesn't it seem like some of the hard times have gone on forever that it's been a marathon? Jesus, could we do a 100-yard dash? <laughs> Yet... You stood your ground. I love that. Man, I want that spoken about me. And at times you were publicly and shamefully mistreated, being persecuted for your faith. Then at other times you stood side by side with those who preached the message of hope. You sympathized with those in prison, and when all your belongings were confiscated, you accepted that violation with joy. 
man, that right there, I'm thinking, I'm glad, I really thank God we live in this day and age, and that we live in America. What kind of faith did it take to have joy when the authorities came and emptied out your house? And you go, praise God, I got a home in heaven. I got everything I need in heaven. It's like, whoa. I mean, I, I've had a car or two that I would love for somebody to come confiscate. They never did. But I had joy anyway. Sometimes you get your, well, we won't go there. You get your first cars, and it's like, we had a Vega. I rem- We had a Vega, and we went to Maine. I wish so bad somebody would have confiscated that. Rear end fell out of it. Well, the kids were in a car. <laughs> Teresa goes, the, car, the rear end just fell out of the car. No, that's a whole axle. Yeah. I didn't think we were supposed to buy that one, but it was so pretty. Anyway. <clears throat> you, okay. Uh, convinced that you possess a treasure growing in heaven that could never be taken from you. That's the key. Knowing that we've got a treasure that can never be taken from us. So don't lose your bold, courageous faith for you are destined for a great reward. You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will And then you receive the promise in full. That's a key. Strength of endurance. How many of you have, uh, this usually happens in January, but we make promises to start exercise programs? I don't know why January the 1st is like, new beginning, new start. Okay, this year I'm getting in shape. (coughs) And so, how many of you know when you do that, it, it involves pain? And that's why January 3rd, we quit. (laughs) Man, ah, I'm so sore. And I don't like eating leaves all the time. Ah, next year. It's because endurance involves pain. There's no other way around it. No other way around it. And it's no different with our faith. As we, we you know what, when Paul worshipped in that prison at midnight with his back hurting and bleeding, I mean, it wasn't just like we're locked up. They had been beaten with rods on their backs to where they had open wounds that were seeping and oozing and pain. And they didn't have ibuprofen in there. It was, they felt the full brunt of the pain. Do you think his faith was strengthened the next day? I think it was. Because he endured that with worship. There's something about worship in pain that strengthens our faith and stability and just resolve that we're following Jesus. I don't know any other way to get it. I mean, I'd love to, but I'd like to take a pill. This is 
endurance times 10. No side effects. Yes. I'll take a whole bottle. Okay. <laughs> For soon and very soon, the one who is appearing will come without delay. And he also says, my righteous ones will live from my faith. But if fear holds them back, my soul's not content with them. You know, in the New King James Version, uh, it says, my righteous ones will live by faith. I like this because uh, it said the righteous ones will live by my faith. And I thought, there's been a lot of times in my life that it's like, God, I, I don't know if I got the faith for this, but I believe you have the faith for this. And so I, I trust in your faith in this situation. I think that we need that at times. To have to say, it's like, there's nothing in me that can change this. I can't endure this. But I believe you can in me. Jesus, you're in me. Give me the strength. Give me the endurance. And give me your faith in this situation. But if fear holds them back, I think we sang about how to deal with fear this morning. I love that song. My fear it has no chance when I stand in his love. Doesn't have a chance. I love that. But we are certainly not those who are held back by fear and perish. We're among those who have faith and experience true life. I love that Paul, at the end of his life, and man, this has been my goal. At the end of his life, he said, I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. He spoke that before Festus and Felix and um, <laughs> King Agrippa. I don't know why I get these images when I, I hit that Felix and I thought, I mean, you guys remember Felix the Cat, that cartoon? <laughs> Whew. Jesus help me. Anyway, he said, I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I think that that even at that point, he still got that as a bedrock in his life that I had a vision from you. I saw who you are. I know who you are. You've been faithful in every one of these situations. I'm not disobedient to the, your call on my life. Every one of us have to have that testimony of saying, God, I want to be faithful to what you've called me to do. I've not been disobedient to what you've called me to do. And I've finished the race. I've run the course. I've completed the task. Man, I want that. And I think that's why when we, we, get before, we come to see the Lord when we die, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because of that. But I, want to, I wanted to encourage all of us this morning that when you're in the trials and when you're in the hard places, worship. Let all distractions, I saw this morning as we was praying in intersection, intercession, we weren't praying at the intersection, we were praying in intercession that a lot of times our vision of Jesus gets garbage collected to it. It's like having dirty glasses, which I have quite a bit. Teresa's always saying, your glasses are filthy, you need to, and I go, oh. And I clean them, it's like, oh yeah, I can see better. I think that, that worship uh, in trials causes the garbage to fall away so we can get a clear picture of who Jesus is. It's like, ah, oh, I can see you again. I have hope in my heart. 
and that's rooted and it takes faith to have that and it takes faith to know God's true he's faithful he will it'll turn out good in the end you know and you read the 11th chapter of Hebrews and know that you know all these ones that had deliverance a lot of them at the end didn't have the answers because God had something better in mind for all of us and that was full deliverance in the kingdom and so anyway just wanted to share with you yep I want us to do something this morning. Um, <clears throat> if you, I felt like that we needed to intercede and pray for people that are hurting and suffering. If you know someone personally um, that is hurting and suffering, um, I want you to stand. Okay. Um, the one, the uh, the rest of it, we're all going to stand. But I want you to see. I want you to pray for the ones that you stood for. I think it's important when you're suffering and when you're in the fire. Besides worshiping, is praying for others. I, I'm I'm telling you that your suffering is small. So much of the time, if you can see what others are dealing with. He was talking about the scripture where uh, he said. Um, they came in and took everything, confiscated everything. Well, in Reading, a thousand people lost homes. A thousand people had their homes burned up. That's a lot of people on the edge of a city. And we've we've watched some of the the worship, and they're still worshiping, and they're still praising. Um, the skies have been so cloudy from, and I don't like cloudy skies. I like sunny skies and, you know, but it, they've been so cloudy that it's been hard for him even to see the sun. You know, I'm like talking to John, what kind of day is it? He says, well, you can't really tell, you know, they have the wind blow and they can breathe a little bit on days. Can you imagine our city? Uh, if we had a thousand burn in our city, we'd, it'd have been half the town. But can you imagine if we had that and smoke was constantly around? And there are brothers and sisters believing for a work of God there. I just felt like this morning that we needed to pray for the suffering. I believe the other is, and the thing is, we're in America. We don't know it. You know, unless you read a book about it, the suffering of the persecuted church, you honestly can't relate until you're in it. But we've suffered through this cancer season, and we relate. We relate to those who've been in chemo because he's struggling with that now. We've, we relate. We relate to losing children. We relate to suffering. We, you know, everybody, but you won't relate if you've never suffered, you know. And I can't relate to being persecuted and having to run from our homes, being afraid to pray together, being afraid. I mean, we, we don't have anybody afraid. Nobody's afraid. They don't not come to church because they're afraid. <laughs> we don't have anybody coming. You know, I, I look and most of the people around don't go to a church, you know, and, and they're not afraid. They just don't want to go because they don't want the Lord. But suffering changes all that. You see with different eyes, and I wanted us to pray for the suffering. So I, I'm going to just agree with you, and you can pray. Father, that's 
it was such an important point of uh, us praying for others, God, when we have things going on in our lives, God, because it gets our minds off ourselves and gets it on uh, others. And so, Father, we lift up all those who stood today, God, and for uh, the ones they're standing for. Father, we ask that you be the answer in every situation, that you wrap your arms around those that are suffering. God, that you bring provision where provision needs to come, that you bring healing where healing needs to come. God, that you bring encouragement where that needs to come. God, that whatever the need is, God, you know what the need is. God, we ask you to meet that. Lord, and, and that there be, uh, Lord, just pour your presence out and your spirit out, God, in those situations. And Father, for all of us here, God, we pray for uh, encouragement to fall on your people. God, we pray for uh, anything that's distracting us from seeing who you are clearly to fall away. And God, that our worship would rise up before you as an incense, Lord, before your throne. God, that it would that our worship would would get your attention in our uh, Lord uh, times of suffering and times of having to endure and push through. And God, I pray that you would focus our eyes on the needs of others. God, because some of the affliction we have at times is we can't get our eyes off ourselves. And Lord, it just makes things worse. And then it invites self-pity to come in and camp out. And God, we just come against all that in the name of Jesus. And we tell you, we choose to turn our eyes outward and say, Father, what's on your heart? Who's the one that's in, in front of us that we need to minister to? And God, I pray that we would hear your voice clearer when it comes to those situations and know God, move on our hearts of what you want to do in those situations. Thank you, Lord. What direction is west? Okay, I want, to, I, want, I want us to pray for Redding. And I want you to just lift your hands towards. Father, we just lift them up. Father, we thank you for the move of God that you have given. And Lord, that how they have been instrumental all over the world. And Lord, we watched Russians, a whole group of Russian pastors come. We watched whole groups getting trained and going back out with signs and wonders and miracles and, and moving in the things of God. And God, we watched, Lord, as they sang the song, It Is Well With My Soul, on the night before that fire. And Lord, they're still singing It Is Well With My Soul. But Lord, we lift them up to you. Yes, yes, we lift God. that city up to you. We lift yes, the people Jesus. of God up to you. Yes. We we lift all of those who lost their homes, Lord. We, we lift up, Lord, the heartache of realizing what devastation, yes, Lord, even, even driving out in the places that have been so beautiful, Lord. And now, Lord, they're nothing but ash. And so, Father, I just kept thinking of the song this morning, Up From the Ashes. Your mercy, your glove has called us. God, we speak out of those ashes of, of Reading. And, Lord, we declare a greater revival, a yeah. greater movement of God and yes, influence God. Lord that influences yes. all of California yes. Lord that California would be turned to you that it would come on fire in you Jesus yes, because God. of all that's going on there Lord that you would set the hearts on fire for you yes, in that God. state yes, and Lord we ask you to meet their yes. hearts because Lord I just feel like hopelessness is what a lot of those suffering ones feel. And so, God, we ask you for compassion right now and hope yes, and joy and peace. Yes, Jesus. And, Lord, we give what we have, which is you. Yes. 
we give you, Lord. We give what we have. Lord, what we have, we give righteousness, peace, and joy. Holy Spirit, come and fall. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. Jesus.